0: I am your host, Sacred Walker, founding president and CEO of Kumba Health LLC, and as well of this powerful Love Medicine Institute. I'm here with two amazing pioneers in their own right. I'm here with Kai Adrian, lead organizer of Fierce New York City. Welcome. And welcome. And I'm here with Natalie Gross, Dean of Diversity and Inclusion at Sarah. Lawrence College. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Of course, of course. So before we dive into our hot topic of this week, which is how to foster inclusive environments amidst the national crisis, I want to take a moment to pull in love medicine tradition, a love card for everyone watching, those locally from Newark to Nigeria, to be able to really invite into our day a love medicine moment. And so, the love card for today is, Love speaks to me all through the day. When you don't know what to do, focus on love. Love is an infinite intelligence that will always help you if you let it. Love speaks to me all through the day. When you don't know what to do, focus on love. Love is an infinite intelligence that will always help you if you let it. All right. So, in the spirit of love helping you if you let it, this is our amazing think tank. It's an opportunity to build bridges and really address community ailments that are happening across the country. And so now I want to pass the mic on to our host, Sky Adrian, lead organizer of Fierce New York City, that's going to take us from here. Thank you so much for joining.
1: You're most welcome and thank you so much for giving me the floor. Um, but with no further ado, I think we're going to get right into our part two. Um, and I think our first question is going to be, um, based on what we were previously discussing in part one, is that we're finding creative health and leadership solutions to the world's ailments. Disagreeing is okay and encouraged. And I think I personally want to say that, like my grandparents would normally say to me, it's okay to disagree. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what makes us unique, that's what makes us different. And that's what makes us, you know, like, be able to, like, grow up and understand that, you know, we're going to have differences as long as we can see through those differences and work collectively together. But, I mean, that's just my opinion, I think hearing from Natalie first and then Sacred, I definitely want, like, your understanding of what that is. Like, what does that mean to you? What does that look like? Especially um, personally and as an organizational standing.
2: Hmm. um thank you uh I think let's see first of all I'll start with the like being okay to disagree right so a lot of times um when we lead discussions on campus um we list out ground rules right and I'm I'm acting like they're right behind me they're not um but we list out ground rules and so we always say like it's okay to make mistakes and but it's not okay to continue making those mistakes and like we also say like everybody's having these different perspectives, right? And respecting perspective, even if it's not your own, right? And finding a way to seek to understand first before you seek to be understood. So I think disagreement is natural, right? Um, I think we kind of touched on that before about like our perspectives as three black folks, but seeing the world differently through the way that we interpret our own blackness, right? And so we might be in the same situation, but look at it differently. And so I think finding a way to like have those respectful disagreements is important. Right. Even if they are impassioned, even if they are loud, I think that's okay. But I think finding a way to like listen and hear where the other person's coming from and say like, I see what you're seeing, but the way I interpret it is totally different because of my own experience. Right. Um, and I think being able to like create those ground rules or set those expectations that we might not come to uh, the same conclusion or one agreement, but like we're going to just make space to listen and like hopefully take those perspectives away from whatever conversation, whatever situation it is with us.
0: Yes, I definitely agree. And I I love the way that you were saying, you know, sometimes looking at the way that we interpret it, right, and how that sometimes gets um, involved into how people disagree. And also you were talking about safe spaces and being clear. What I loved is the fact that we do the same thing, having the group agreements up on the wall so we're all clear and on the same page about, you know, fostering disagreement, but doing it in such a way that will leave people feeling heard, valued, and respected. You know, and I think that that's really crucial. I think something, too, is thinking, too, this weekend um, or this Friday, did a training with mental health providers, um, healthcare providers from across the country who were looking at, Uh, what happens, how do you respond when you get triggered, right? And I think that that speaks to the disagreement. Because sometimes, you know, you might be in a space where, especially if you have a challenging history, you might hear something that kicks something up. And maybe it's not the person's intention, but it's about the impact. And so um, something that, you know, came up was that everyone in the room recognized that there were times where they got triggered, where they would either get they would get smaller or they would kind of invite an invisibility and so i think you know to your point about the ground rules being up i think another part of that is to create space that if you are getting triggered or if you do have a history that you have some way that your community has agreed to express that so it doesn't go into the guilt it can really create space for love for this invitation of you know what that brought this up for me you know i do need to you know move through this and just know that that's how it impacted me. So I can feel safe to be able to share and disagree, you know? So that, that I think to add on to that would be my, my offer. would be creating space that it's safe to disagree.
1: And then, you know, like I was looking at another concept to that because like, when you think about safe space, how realistic is a safe space? Because there's nowhere that's safe, regardless of whether it's deemed a safe space or not. Mm. So then I've been working around this concept and kind of like, Seeing how I can do this with fears is creating a brave space, and that's it's a different component from safe space because we're saying that we're not saying that we don't want you to feel safe, of course. But in the event that it comes out of that safety, that you're brave enough to handle what that may or may not look like when it happens, and that is okay. Somebody may say something that's triggering to you, but what are your coping mechanisms, or what are your healing? um stuff that you 're doing to be able to like handle that in the situation or at least after what the situations happen, so i 'm um, currently working on what that brave space is going to look like, but it can very much start from having those community agreements posted up so it sets the tone of the expected relationships you 're meant to have within the space, regardless of whether there 's a disagreement or not mm-hmm.
0: absolutely.
1: absolutely. Um, And then also, I think this ties right into about, like, you know, like about your solution-oriented style and how that can create, you know, solutions for, like, uh, disagreements within the space. Um, So I think that's, like, um, um, as it regards to, like, solution orientation, like, um, that is one solution to to how you can fix, like, uh, a disagreement that happens in a space or potential disagreement. Once that tone of that culture is already set, then um, we wouldn't have that issue.
0: I just wanted to name how I know you both, because I realized that, you know, that I was remiss to share that, that I, I know you both. Yeah, and I want to bring that in because I realized that that also is, is an interesting loop around what we were just talking about, about safe space. Um, and others who feel like they have their own way of safe space, please respond underneath so this can be as interactive as possible. Um, I'm fortunate to know the both of you, having worked with the both of you in different capacities and having seen the both of you, you know, and collaboratively work with the both of you around fostering safe space. And so that's been a true gift, you know, being able to watch the efforts of diversity and inclusion through your race summit, Natalie, and being able to see the ways that you're building your membership um, and really, you know, intentionally inviting in safe space into fierce and supporting that around professional development and wellness and leadership. And so just, and even this being a safe space that we can have a conversation and put things out there coming from different angles, but finding a bridge. So I want to name that I feel like I actually know the both of you through having worked collaboratively in different ways and known you now for, some, you know, a little bit of time um, as a result of the fostering of safe space, um, specifically in relationship to students and to those who are rising young adults. So I I feel like that's also a gift, which is why I was so glad to kind of invite you both to join this program. So I want to name that I'm very humbled to be a part of this conversation with the two of you.
1: Remind, like, remind me of the topic um, and why we're doing this, because I think we don't want to, for the persons who may not have been a part of part one, but a part of part two will have like a better understanding just as members who participated in part one.
0: And to clarify, so um, this broadcast is going to be a single broadcast for those who are watching for the first time. So this is going to be the complete one. Um, And so the folks who are coming in, just remember that the topic for this week is how to foster inclusive environments, inclusive school environments amidst the national crisis, right? amidst many people feeling like maybe walking down the street, going to school, showing up, there are many things on their minds that may not feel like they can be present or may not feel like they can show up in a way that leaves them feeling safe, um, just based on the kind of the different um, changing of climate. And so the topic is how to foster inclusive school environments amidst the national crisis. Um, And so thanks for those who are joining us who are educators, providers, students themselves, um, who watch this now and later, you know, continue to chime into the conversation. But thanks, Guy, for bringing us back to really focusing on the topic at hand.
1: Right, great. Um, And then, of course, I'm very excited to, again, hear what are the issues or how it is that you're tackling this particular issue within your own organizations. Um, I know for FEARS, it's just simply like, even our membership forms has preferred names, has pronouns, personal gender preferred pronouns. Um, So there's different ways in which we incorporate inclusivity into the space. We have a trans memorial wall. So for all trans individuals who have passed on before us, we have a wall with a memorial kind of talking about their stories, their families, and what they were doing before they passed away. Um, So we have many different things like that within the space that kind of like starts to help tackle that issue. And then also our workshops and our programs are not specific to any particular letter within the LGBT spectrum, as long as we have, like, members and facilitators who are reflective of that community and that are facilitating culturally appropriate workshops that cater to the needs of our members. And that's basically how we go about creating such an inclusive space, among many other things that I could speak about. But I am going to give you, two also an opportunity, and starting with Sacred this time, how do you Create that inclusivity within your programs and your services
0: that you do. Yeah, and that was excellent. And I wanted to jump on that and then respond as well. Um, for those who are new to certain terms, just knowing that gender pronoun is the pronoun by by which you live. So it may not always match the one that is on your birth certificate. And so when someone says gender pronoun, it's really you know to Sky's point about creating a space where you are respected as the pronoun that you move in. And in honor of National Coming Out Day, which is, you know, the day that this is being released, you know, it's really important for that to to kind of be highlighted. Um, And as far as our organization, you know, I I think back to when I was, for those who know me well, um, I love my mom. And when I was younger, uh, my mom gave me this book called Ghost Girl. And it was about a young woman who didn't have a voice. She didn't, Everyone thought she was severely developmentally delayed. She was constantly let back. She was always left in the corner. People didn't really respond to her. And it was written during a time where people didn't have as many nuances um, around socio-emotional learning and mindfulness as they do today. And years later, she was in a classroom with a teacher who, you know, took more interest in her, took time, pulled her aside, and even in her silence, began to interact with her And it comes to find out that she was experiencing um, harm at home. And she spent most of her day at school, right? So that was the only other outlet for her to express. And by the end of the book, she was graduating from college. She was starting her own organization. And so she was able to find her voice. She was speaking. She went from being very silent and internal to being verbal. And that story has always stuck with me. Um, Personally, because of my history that I had, but also, because I find that so many people who spend most of their days at work or at school that's their outlet right that's often their outlet to find um, space for their voice to feel connection and If you have individuals like your counselor, your dean of diversity and inclusion, your you know lead organizer, your telehealth counselor working collaboratively, it'll make such a difference to feeling like you know, the part of you that doesn't have a voice is expressed. And over the years, something that I saw was so many ghost girls. I saw so many ghost ghost girls, ghost young men, ghost gender neutral folks who were in school and saw the injustices of the world and wanted to succeed, but then they wanted to leave the classroom and go fight it because they didn't feel like they had a voice. So there was all this internal conflict. So something that, you know, something that I, I feel very proud of that we do is to go in to work usually from three hours to, you know, 18 weeks and really look at, okay, if you do feel like you are, you know, someone that has had something that makes you feel uncomfortable or you're feeling unjust, you know, or something that's bothering you in the world that you have space to use healing arts and to use play and to use leadership skills to build on that. Um, And I feel very like clear that any human being who've been through ghost girl kind of experiences can still rise in their leadership. And so that for me feels important to like collaborate with others like yourself to really create spaces that, you know, no one ever feels like a ghost girl. And so my mom is always like, yay, you know, I read that book so many times. Um, So I highly recommend that book to anyone. But it really, for me, has always been a soft spot in my heart.
1: Thank you, thank you so much for sharing that sacred. And I know Natalie, you're like one of the best persons for this question because not only are you setting a trend by being in the position that you are, as like a director of diversity in like in your institution, but you're you're setting that tone for a lot of other institutions that may not be doing the same thing. So please share with me how has that been? How have been people being receptive to your position, and how have you been making an impact so far?
2: Thank you. So one, I want to start with thanking Sacred for also like having me here and appreciating this safer space, right, uh, to have this dialogue. Um, so thinking about two things that you both mench- mentioned earlier. So we have three what we call identity spaces, but we also call them safe spaces or safer spaces on campus. Um, and I like this whole idea for spaces for voices, right, like where they can be heard and feel comfortable saying what they need to say, right, without judgment. Uh, And so we have a LBGTQI space, which is our newest space on campus. So it's in its third year, just started its third year. We have Common Ground, which is our student of color identity meeting space. And we have our spiritual space, which sounds like what it is. So it's prayer space, quiet reflection space, meditation, yoga, singing space, you name it, right? So all of these spaces provide similar things. Community, um, so spaces for students, faculty, staff, whomever to come outside, like the 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 greater like Yonkers, Bronxville community to come in um, to be in conversation. Some of them, um, two of the two of the spaces have TV, so they do TV watching nights, like and watch the shows that reflect. The folks that are in the spaces, right? So, like in Common Ground, they do the whole TGIT night and watch all the Shonda Ryan shows because there are a lot of people of color, right, in these shows. Um, they have open mic nights, they have coming out um, day events that are actually coming up within the next couple of weeks. Um, they have family dinners. Just people come and study, they come hang out, and, and really thinking about for us, like, These are the places that a lot of students, like a lot of people ask, we had a prospective student say yesterday and people say like, well, if you have these safe or safer spaces, does that mean that the community is unsafe? Well, the, the answer really is, this is a space where students can share those voices and those experiences and know that even if people don't fully agree, they can be in dialogue, right? And they can hopefully, they leave those spaces feeling heard. And feeling understood in a different way because people are coming ready to be in those dialogues with them about race, about uh, sexuality, about spirituality, or to be in community with them, even if the perspective is different, right? And I think for me, having these spaces on campus is important for a lot of students who don't have these spaces at Home, right, wherever they're coming from, to know that they have a space like I can find people who want to talk about this. I can find people who want to pray. Um, I can find people who want to share their coming out story, or I can actually share my coming out story, right, in this space. Um so they're they're like these spaces are important because people see themselves in this space and feel like their voice is valid um and in a different way than it is in the classroom in a different way than it is in their residence halls and so i i appreciate the institution because we do have these types of spaces the physical space and the environment that's then created around them that students carry with them once they leave that space uh that community um and I, i just think that they're they're highly important and knowing that anyone can come into those spaces you don't have to identify with whatever the identities are, but you have to be willing to be in a conversation and have to go back to sharing your voice, right, which is important.
1: Cool. Thank you so much for sharing that, Natalie. And you are a trendsetter, especially being in this position and like ensuring that a space is safe and inclusive of all people of color, of all like, sexual identities and orientations. And that's like most amazing to hear that you've been doing that. But, you know, I can't help but think about love medicine and what that kind of means. And, like, I wanted to really know, like, how do you embody that medicine in your own situation or within situations where, like, someone may, may feel unsafe? Like, how do you embody that? And I, can, I think I want to start with Sacred. I see you over there. Let's start with you. <laughs> well,
0: I... I... It's, it's a dance. I really do feel like it's a dance. I think it's a dance of both how do I embody it and also how do I show up with other people who are on the same journey embodying it too. Like I think that the invitation to be in dialogue with visionary leaders like yourself is an act of love medicine. Um, in regards to the question around how to embody love medicine amidst the national crisis and fostering inclusive spaces in schools, um, something that worked really beautifully both in New York at Harvey Milk High School and also um, when I was out in California um, at 7TPs and also with looking at some of the university relationships that we've built over the years is um, our multiple renditions of what I call radical love or performance training, etc. Um, but specifically at Harvey Milk, that was a series that was based in high school. So that was a specific model. And over an 18-week period, um, we came together and the young adults, you know, kind of thinking about coming out day, the young adults who were part of the process were amazing rising leaders who had challenging histories. And, you know, I went out and did some auditions and interviews with them. And through the process of the 18-week cycle, they were able to express, you know, what was going on in their minds, in their hearts, in their homes. They were able to really explore what kind of leadership um, skills they wanted to gain. Um, they were able to have really frank conversations about race and racism. I think that's really essential um, when you have laws that are passed that say that you know you're not going to be counted, for example, in the 2020 census. Um, LGBT people will not be counted in the 2020 census. Or you have a law that says you know you are going to be banned for traveling. It's important for you to have space where that is expressed. And so those kinds of issues are able to be explored so that you can figure out what kind of actions they were able to explore that. And interestingly enough, those are parallel processes that are happening, you know, happened over the generations. And so by the end, um, you know, we put together and I helped them compile a book of poetry that was called um, Radical Love. And it was radical love because it was about how do I embody radical love, right? Like, how do I facilitate it? How do I navigate that? How do I hold space? But then also, how do they love themselves when the world says otherwise? And so it was really powerful to witness um, that process. And so over the years, that's taken different renditions. um, But I feel like for me, it's both having boundaries in those moments, right? Like I can be able to facilitate those processes because I can say yes and no. And I think that compassion um, we forget as givers to say yes and no, um, because that way people can feel like, okay, it's safe to explore these issues, because I, w- I heard yes and no, and it's a dance. And I can I can learn boundaries myself, because I'm, you know, exhibiting them. And then also, to be honest, I feel like what part of that was play like giving people space to play to express like to natalie's point about that you know common ground room i think you called it and i think that was the room that we facilitated that retreat so it's like i, I can picture it gorgeous purple orange i mean the color is gorgeous and so being in spaces like that um you know where you can play where you can sing where you can write intentionally you know i i feel like that's a way to embody love medicine So. Um, and I think that the gift of being able to ask questions and ask for clarity when things feel uncomfortable or unclear um, is another way as well. So I would say that those three ways—asking for clarity, you know, being really clear about compassion, you know, justice-oriented co- compassion, saying yes and no, and also inviting in the spirit of play—is a way that um, I embody love medicine and cultivate love medicine.
1: Right, cool. Thank you so much for sharing that sacred. And it's always very warm to like hear you whenever you're talking about love and medicine, how that's incorporated within your communities and in your work. But we have reached our 30-minute mark. So what I am going to ask is for you both to share your final thoughts on the topic, but um, also share maybe two to three tangible tools that you want to recommend for other people to incorporate in their communities. Um, I'm definitely going to say, like, one – tool that has proven to work over several times is doing a needs assessment of your community, kind of finding out what are their immediate needs, their short term needs, their long term needs, and kind of assessing how capable of you are, how capable you are to like, like, you know, capacitate or facilitate those kind of needs, and then find out what it is that you need to do to figure out how you're going to fulfill those needs for your community. Because the more that you understand what are the needs of your communities, the more that you're able to show up in the most, like, when they need need you to show up. Um, I think the second recommendation is, is also looking at your target community and understanding what are their particular age groups, what are their trends, what are their behaviors, and kind of ensuring that the people that you have working within your organization are reflective of those people that you're trying to outreach to you're trying to take care of so to speak because if they're not reflective of the people that you're trying to uh, reach to then what's going to happen is you're not you're not going to be able to like reach them where they are or be able to connect with them on a physical and emotional level so i think that's very important and then my third and last thing too is to ensure that your culture is visible ensure that your ground rules um safe words within the space and your work around what you're doing within your space i'm pretty excited to hear natalie's two to three recommendations and then
2: secrets all right thank you Um, so definitely agreeing with you sky on like assessment and looking at the community and making sure yourself is visible like what your your statement or your intentions are Um, so adding to that then four and five, I guess, right? So being very clear about ground rules or community guidelines and utilizing them all the time. Because I find that when you are in those tougher conversations or those more serious conversations that will help you push forward, when you don't have the guidelines there, I feel like it it changes the shape of the conversation and having those guidelines or facilitating to like also lean back on so the so the conversation does flow and move forward is always important. And then thinking about us within communities that are promoting radical self-love, promoting activism, community understanding, is that to also incorporate moments of self-care, right? And so self-care is, and so I used to not do anything fun with the work that I did. It was all serious and like academic and, you know, buttoned up. (laughs) And I realized like incorporate, yeah, right. Let it go. Let it go. Um, um, incorporating like music, incorporating readings, incorporating the things that also speak to our soul, right. And to our spirit are so important. And so a lot of our students are very activist focused and then they get so angry and so tight in the chest because they don't have any way to release that. And like, let's write, let's, let's dance, let's sing, let's eat some good food together. Um, And so it doesn't have to be like, go take a bubble bath and all that kind of stuff. It could just be finding a different way to be in community to kind of release that. So when you talk about whatever that thing is, it can stay in the room and you can do the work afterwards. Right. And all those heavy things are left behind. So just remembering to incorporate self care, whether it's taking 15 minutes to sit out in the sun when we have it like today. Right. Or to, um, finding, um, creating some radical self-care playlists that people can, like, jam to when they're, like, planning. Um, But just remembering to take care of self because we put so much out and we pour so much out to remember that we also have to put that love back into ourselves. So that's what I would like to add. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Natalie, and sacred. I'm excited to hear your recommendations because I can always depend on you for great recommendations, great suggestions suggestions and even advice so I'm definitely excited to hear
0: what you say. that's true that's true and you also live and embody self-care on a daily basis which is also a gift you know this <laughs> um but I I was actually imagining myself be basking out in the sun you know as you were speaking I mean that's so essential um and so I want to kind of riff off of that um you know my one suggestion would definitely be the suggestion around like being intentional about creating affirmations for ourselves um, and reading them to ourselves. I have something that I do personally is I have a goddess night that I have every week um, that I've had for years. And it, my goddess night is something where I, whether I am alone or in relationship with someone. And it's something that I actually have with everyone that I consult with as well as I encourage them to have a goddess night, whether it's a team or an individual, and they have one night where they take themselves out on a date. They have one night where maybe they pull themselves an affirmation card. So it's always close, you know, my, my meetings with affirmation cards. And I'll take a picture and I'll send it to them. Um, and I'll say, you know, take yourself out on a date and have that affirmation card be something that you read to yourself or write yourself a love letter. Um, and, you know, and, and it's, it's partially um, fluffy woo-woo, right? Um, but it's all (laughs) because that's something that I perfectly think is beautiful and delicious. Um, But actually also um, there's research that comes out of Stanford that says that our cells remember, like our cells remember things. Our cells remember when things are harmful. And so we're literally, we have the ability to literally reconfigure our DNA. At, At this point, it's like proven that our DNA will shift based on our environment. And so us taking ourselves out on that goddess night or that god night or whatever language works for your tradition is literally saying to yourselves, like, you're okay. Like, I am safe here. So that when you walk into that boardroom or that classroom, or whether, whether you're the person facilitating inclusive school spaces or whether you're the person in the classroom trying to be in an inclusive school space at the core of your being you know you're good and that is so hard in this world and so essential so one take yourself on a date weekly (laughs) you deserve it (laughs) and I deserve it you know so that's my one and then my second one um is something that actually came to me this weekend through someone else um it was a Okay, so we were facilitating, I was facilitating this um, group, right? I was talking about the um, group of, some focused really on those who are students or those who are adults who are caring professionals. And if you're a caring professional, you give out a lot, and so you're learning how to really replenish yourself. And if you're a student who went into being like a healthcare provider or a nurse or an artist, you're really called to it oftentimes because you went through something that said, Oh my gosh, I want to give back. I don't want someone else to go through this, right? And so we were doing this activity where one woman in the group um, molded her body because it's drama therapy and she molded her body into an image that was smaller and she got smaller to help others feel bigger in the space. And so we began to explore that. And so I want to invite my second tip would be that you don't have to be small for others to be big um that and that's it's a tricky dance right and I think that it it takes support and guidance and love and 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 that to be a safe space to do so but I think somewhere along the way we're taught that inclusion means I need to play small I need to shrink in order for others to rise um and you're nodding your head so you know and we've all been in those spaces where we're like okay this person is you know, saying something that I don't really like, but I'm going to shrink back because I want to make sure to support this person, whatever it looks like. There's so many layers of that. But whatever that meant for her, so many people are in the room, were nodding their heads, like, yeah, I make myself small, to make others feel big. And then there's resentment, because that person's not, you know, stepping up and being bigger. It's just, we're still shrinking. And so my invitation is to look at what does it look like for all of us to be in our authentic power? Without having to shrink or overpower, you know, so that would be my tip. So, you know, working with someone around like creating a way that you don't have to shrink to feel bigger, um, especially if you're going into the caring profession um, field.
1: All right, thank you so much, Sacred, for sharing that. Um, That was, I really appreciate that. And especially like taking yourself out on the date. Like that's the most amazing feeling because at the end of the day, at least you know that you're getting what you can afford and you're paying for it and nobody's gonna tell you otherwise when the date's done. So like, that's definitely like appreciative to hear that and like remind me that I need to do that. Um, But unfortunately, we kind of come to the ending of our our Love Share Medicine episode today. However, what I want to share is like, you know, physically, how can people get in contact with you and remotely, how can people get in contact with you? I know for me, physically, I work full-time 12 to 8 at Fierce, which is in Fordham, um, Bronx. So that's you can physically come anytime between 12 to 8 and I'll always be here. And then on Facebook, and on Twitter and on Instagram, it is all S. Adrian Advocate. So it's my first name, it's the first letter of my first name, and the, last letter, the first letter of my last name. Uh, that was a tongue twister.
0: Can you say so, that one more time.
1: So like, yeah. So it's the first letter of my first name, which is S, and the first letter of my last name, which is A, and then Advocate. So that's S.A. Advocate. And you will definitely find me anywhere on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Uh, My full name is Sky Adrian, and you can also search up when you also see me. Like, my face is really grown and mature and amazing. You're going to know who I am. Um, And then I'm going to strongly urge that Natalie and Sacred also share ways that people can remotely contact you or physically get in contact with you so that um, we can be able to start this discussion even further with our networks and so on.
2: So I thank you both. So let's see, physically, I'm at Sarah Lawrence College, which is in Bronxville, New York. Um, And you can email me if you would like to connect at ingross at sarahlawrence.edu, N-G-R-O-S-S, at S-A-R-A-H, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E.edu. And I'm the director of diversity and campus engagement. If you wanna follow us on social media, SL, at SLC diversity is typically where you can find us on like Twitter or Instagram. Um, on Facebook, I think it's like at SLC diversity slash DAPS. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I really just post pictures of my little boy, but it's, uh, at I be good peoples. It, don't ask. It's i I've had it for, it was like a Yahoo email name, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but, um, so, but definitely follow us at work with the SLC Diversity. We have a really cool Instagram. Uh, it's very busy and very active. Um, but if you're interested, like if you um, work with young people and want to do a tour of the college, um, definitely reach out to me. Again, engross at sarahlawrence.edu. Um, and I can help put, it, put you in touch with our admissions office if you're interested in maybe trying to meet with other current students we can definitely do that as well which i think is very important to like have that peer-to-peer kind of conversation
0: so thank you
1: sacred all right um so sacred i definitely know that you want to share if you have any last thoughts or any way that we can contact you, I mean, I can contact you right now. You both
0: know, <laughs> have my direct phone number.
1: <laughs> right? Like, I can get you on speed like, you know,
0: Exactly. We have a meeting this week. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so two ways to um, stay in contact. For those who are in need of stress management, um, I'm offering national telehealth. So I have folks that I meet with out of North Carolina, out of California, out of New York. Um, And for if you're someone who is looking to meet, I can offer weekly sessions. Um, I'm based in my private practice in New Jersey. So I'm a part of a group private practice that just launched this week. Um, But if you would like to meet and you're not in the New York, New Jersey area, or you don't want to join virtually, so you can join the Caring Professionals Mastermind virtually or in person. Um, But if that's something that that timing for whatever reason doesn't fit, then let's work on ways that you can really shift some of the environmental stress that's happening, um, especially if you are struggling with something going on in your school environment. Let's really help shift that pain to power. So if you want more information about either of those, you can go to Kumba Health's website, khhp.org, all right, khhp.org, or you can Google sacred walker, sister um, with locks, I don't think there are any other sacred walkers out there with locks on the East Coast, so I trust that you will find me, and I'm on Instagram at AskSacred, and you know, just let us know how this experience impacted you, so take a picture of something exciting that you did, that you took yourself on a date, a love medicine date, or you came to, you know, Caring Professionals Mastermind, or to the Owl Liberation Summit, take a picture of it, and just tag us, you know, let us know what you think. Alright, so thank you so much, but those are ways you can stay in touch, and you can always call me at my office, set up an appointment, um, I'm available. Thanks so much for joining. You're welcome.